Welcome to Account-Based Marketing. This podcast is designed as a collection of conversations with sales and marketing leaders sharing thoughts and practical tips for growing your most valuable customers. Hosted by me, Alicia Linden, founder and CEO at Momentum, the B2B growth consultancy. We've seen ABM drive incredible growth for organizations, change the face of marketing as we know it, and make careers. So today, it's an absolute honor to be joined by Phil Crompton, Vice President for Top Account Marketing at IBM. Phil, welcome. Thank you. Delighted to be here, Alicia. Great to have you with us, Phil. So today we're going to unpack what it really takes to build ABM muscle in a way that creates both a scalable operating system and visibility through the organization. And I think, Phil, you've got some incredible experience and I'd, I'd love to, to hear more, more about it during this episode. Could you kick us off with, with a little bit about who you are and your current role at IBM? Yes, thank you. So my, my current role is I head the top account marketing program, as you said, but also I'm in charge of our industry marketing strategy, which I think as we talk through the next hour, you'll see there's a good a good link between the two. Uh, but in terms of my career, I think this is the perfect bookend now doing top account marketing for some of IBM's largest accounts. Because I actually started at IBM in sales, working on some of our largest banks in the UK. I spent um, four years working with Lloyds Bank and four years working with what is now HSBC, but was Midland Bank. And I think that having that deep understanding from having worked every day with the client on a large account, I think means that I, you know, I, I really started to understand how how uh, you know large large accounts work, the complexities of selling. So frankly, it's a you know, for me, it's a perfect bookend that I can now start to apply that coming from the marketing side and working very closely with our sales organization. Fascinating. And do you think that you, you mentioned your experience in those um, uh, deep key accounts and, and from a sales perspective, that feels like quite a unique path into um, top account marketing. Have you seen other key account directors move into um, ABM and, and marketing roles or are you the anomaly? I, I think there's quite a few of our top account marketers now around the world that have um, worked in sales before, either in IBM or outside IBM, have worked in consulting. And I, and I do think, you know, whether you're talking about marketing or um, enablement, I think there is a huge benefit um, in the skill set in having somebody who has worked, you know, on the sales side or the technical sales side before. I just think it gives you a, a perspective of what makes the sales guys tick, you know, how, you know, what they need to be successful. Um, and I'd say maybe sort of 50% of our team around the world has has got that experience. And uh, it's something that we look for when we do our sort of interview process um, to try and bring people on board. But yeah, very powerful. Yeah, very, very interesting. And um, I, th I guess it also gives them a very unique lens on the end customer. You know, having spent four years, as you say, working with Lloyd's banking group, um, there are certain war wounds you get from that that can't really be taught in, in quite the same way. Phil, I'd love to hear a bit about how account-based marketing has evolved at IBM um, and a bit about the journey that you've been on to get to where you are today with the top account marketing program. So the, the current program has really been up and running for around about 18 months. Um, but we've had a number of efforts at account-based marketing before. I was actually running, you know, industry marketing sales enablement and a couple of other missions in Europe maybe 10 years ago when when the global team you know decided we were going to experiment with account-based marketing and, and 
we were asked to cover a relatively small number of accounts in Europe with a small number of people, same in the, in the US. So it, it was very much done as a pilot. We found at the end of the year that, yeah, there was some good results, but probably not enough to then to take it on to a sort of larger audience where you're going to need to invest significantly more top account marketers and sort of the pilot was ceased. But I think at the time, one of the things that struck me was um, we didn't have in place a global program office. It was done very much whereas each, each account team almost worked it out, you know, what they wanted to do on the ground. And, and so we learned from that experience, you know, when we set up this time, that was one of the first things we did is we put in a global program office and we started to lay down some standards around the world as to how the team should operate. Doesn't mean to say they all operate the same because we know every client is different, but there are certain standards that were needed this time. So we've been running this about 18 months. We we were fortunate that we were able to learn from, you know, Red Hat, you know, which is um, an IBM company. And they'd been running their top account mission for around about five or six years. So we were able to listen and learn from them as well as we set up this time. So we've taken a lot of learnings both inside our own experiences plus outside, plus working very closely with ITSMA who helped to you know, educate and skill us all um, you know, very quickly. Um, and again, that helped. So, so we've been running about 18 months and incredibly um, hopeful for the way the program is running this time, really starting to see some good results. So we're, we're, we're very happy about this, this most recent 18 months. I hope you're enjoying this podcast so far. Account-based marketing is brought to you by Momentum, the global growth consultancy. We'd love to hear your thoughts and keep the conversation going. So for more information, please visit wearemomentum.com or check out additional episodes. And just in in terms of how you're structured, you've talked about this central PMO function um, really to raise standards and also consistency where where it's needed um, whilst individual accounts are all unique. How, how are you structured in terms of coverage across the top accounts? How many accounts are in your program? So we've got around about um, 250 accounts and we're, we're trying to work with a model of, you know, one person covering three to four accounts. So that would, if you do the maths, it's, it's around about 60 people around the world. We're trying to push on to cover um, all of our top tier accounts, which is around about 300. Um, so, so that means we'll have in the region of, you know, 75 top account marketers. So we're pretty close to that number. Um, we uh, then have, as you say, a global program office. It's pretty small. It's it's four or five people who are responsible for, for standards, standards of education, standards of um, best practices, sharing, building the community, you know, a- enablement, etc. Plus, um, we do have, um, you know, I, I talked at the start about my role also including the industry strategy team so we you know we positively encourage and expect you know the industry marketers to be engaging you know directly with accounts or helping to put programs together that will be a benefit of the top accounts because clearly every account um, every client belongs to an industry and the more that you can tailor and adapt things that are relevant firstly to the industry and secondly to them as a client frankly the more successful you'll be so so we have a sort of core program with a core program office, but we have extended team around it who are there to help. And I guess the last thing is we have what we call, you know, a SWAT squad or a hit squad of four or five people, cross marketing disciplines, 
who were able to go into an individual account situation and say, okay, we want to do something special here, either to put together, you know, series of content or uh, help them to do um, internal marketing. Uh, we've done that with a number of companies like, you know, State Farm, who were keen, you know, to encourage back to work. So we helped to build a marketing program for them. So again, we have a hit team that can go in and help to, to, to build something very much at a, an individual account level. Um, and the team, frankly, will will keep growing, I think. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to encourage more and more of the IBM marketing team, you know, to be engaging around those top 300 accounts. It's, it's you know, we see it as a huge benefit to IBM if we're successful here. I mean, I, I love the co-collaboration that you've talked on just, just briefly there around the squad uh, hit, hit team going in, into accounts and really adding value for those organizations directly. And, you know, I've been really impressed to see some of the performance numbers of, of your program and absolutely love the this idea of um, driving an account-based mindset across the, the broader marketing organization, your ecosystem. What would you say really stands out for you over the last 18 months, the journey that you've been on? that's gone very well and and you reflect back and say you know that that's been a key pivot point or a a winning moment I think that there are I'm going to say there are two things that I think really stand out for me the the first one is is to put some really good people in place Um, I've always had a very simple philosophy in in marketing which or, or frankly in my in my career which is you know, pick pick really good people, really good talent, give them a clear direction, and frankly, let them fly. And that's what we've been able to do around the world is we've put 60, you know, I think really top talent uh, marketers in place. They've got experience, they've got gravitas, um, which I think is important because you're going to go, you know, you're trying to be a strategic partner for, you know, very senior sales leaders on our top account. So you you need that credibility and i think we've we've done that we've put that team in place and we've 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 helped them we've supported them we've trained them but the reality is if you didn't have that talent in place um that would be you know difficult for them to succeed so that's the first thing the second and to me the most important thing is is just the level of engagement we've managed to get particularly in the last sort of six to nine months with the sales teams this has to be a partnership if you don't if it's seen as you know marketing doing something for sales, it's not going to work. Sales have to buy in that this is a partnership together, and frankly, they have. You know, our top account um, technical leaders and consulting partners have really embraced this. And as we go around and talk to them, they say this is one of the best things you know marketing you know has done done with us. You know, we we really feel as though we're working on strategic projects together. So I think that. Um, that embracing of the program by the sales leaders on the accounts then is, uh, you know, helping to, to go up to the senior sales leaders, you know, of, of the organization. And they're saying, you know, we're hearing such good things about it. How can we help to continue to improve this? So, so the buy-in from the sales side has been the other thing I've been, frankly, incredibly proud about over the last 18 months. Fantastic. And I can well imagine that, as you described, has a bit of a domino effect in terms of really driving culture change, behavior change in the way that you're going to market across your top accounts. It is. And and frankly, this started because of sales. So this wasn't this wasn't really marketing starting the initiative. It, it happened about two years ago where through our four plan process, 
the sales organization said, we're going to change our coverage model and we're really going to double down on our top sort of 300, 400 accounts. We're going to put much stronger teams on them. Uh, we're going to put, you know, technical sec- technical sales strength. We're going to put consulting sales strength. We're going to give them extended teams around them. As I say, I was driving the industry team at the time and we were starting to think, well, how can marketing best support what sales is trying to do here? And it, and it became, you know, pretty obvious that we needed to do something around an account-based marketing approach. So through that full plan process in late 2020, we were saying we need we need to invest in marketing as well here to support this new sales coverage model. And that's when we said, right, we need to put initially maybe 30 to 40 people, cover 120, 130 accounts. Uh, and as we got closer to the sort of launch date on January the 1st, 2021, we were given the green light actually to expand that and go more for sort of 60 people covering 250 accounts. So so it was really driven by us wanting to be in sync with what sales was doing to change their coverage model. Um, and I think sales respected that, understood that, but that still doesn't make it successful. As I say, there's other two areas I covered earlier about then having the buy-in from sales on a an account level and the strength of the marketing team is then what made it successful. But this this was a partnership right from the start. Just as as you're talking and, you know, IBM is an organization that that I personally have long admired because of how much IBM as a business has evolved and changed. And if you think of uh, over the decades, has continued to uh, be be relevant and and build its customer base. But IBM's scale is is quite unique. And I'm sure as many of our listeners are hearing you speak about the size and scale of, of, of the team, they won't have the same resources necessarily to draw on. Are, are there any pointers, um, any areas of advice that you can give for, for organizations that perhaps don't have the same resources as IBM to draw on as to, as to where they should focus? I think clearly a lot of our resources in IBM are in, in sales, in consulting, you know, in, in services, in delivery. The marketing team is, is you know, large, but still relatively small percentage of the total organization. So it's not as though there's you know, lots of marketing resources to apply here. But what I would say is, if you're gonna, if you're going to build in a smaller organization, we've been very keen to stick with this idea of you know one person covering maximum of four accounts. Why? Why do we say that? Because think of it, it's 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 a day a week, it's it's a week a month approximately, assuming that you know the fifth day is for education and and things like that. So. If, if you go much more beyond that, um, I know there are other programs that, that can do, but if you really want to get close to the sales team and, and be seen as part of that sales team, that's about the right sort of model. So depending, you know, based on the resources you have, that should give you a clue as to how many accounts you can cover. So if you take that one to three, one to four model. And then the other thing, as I said, is just put put in place this small global program office. It doesn't have to be a large team. As I say, we've done it with four or five people, similar to Red Hat. They have, have the same sort of core small team. I think if you don't have that, your top account marketers are going to be you know, on their own. They're going to be trying to make stuff up. They're not going to get the support or the community they need. So I'd say those two simple things, you know, design the number of accounts you can cover based on the resource for the top account marketers and then put a a small program office in place as well. 
Yeah, really good advice. And I think that central program team can really help organizations that don't have large field teams or, or um, as, as many resources to, to bring to bear to really embed that account-based thinking. We've talked a little bit about what's gone well, Phil, and I, something that I've really valued getting to know you is you're very candid and, and very open in, in how things are working and, and what isn't working. What, what are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? What, what hasn't necessarily gone, gone to plan? I think that um, being really clear on what success is, is is a challenge in probably in any sales organization because we're trying to think longer term. We know that it takes time to build relationships. We work very closely, as I said earlier, with ITSMA and you know the three R's mantra to us is key. Relationships, reputation, leading to revenue. And I think the the challenge is that does take time. You know, if you, if you don't have strong relationships necessarily with an organization and you're trying to branch out and make new relationships, which, by the way, is something this program is really good at, or your reputation is a particular type, you know, maybe you've been seen very much as a just as an IT supplier and not as a strategic partner, it takes time to build that. And And the challenge, as always, is what can you deliver this quarter? So this dichotomy between getting it right in the long term and being able to deliver some quick wins within the quarter, I think is, is, a, is a real challenge. And I think, as I say, connected to that is, is how you measure success. Because we've, we've been focused on things like, you know, success at the account level, total account, total account revenue. And then the question will come, well, well what did marketing deliver? You know, what, what percentage of that did you deliver? And, and I keep you know we keep trying to change the discussion and say you know we said at the start this is a partnership between sales and marketing you, you don't know what came from sales or what came from marketing but if the whole account is lifting because of the things you're doing then let's assume that you know marketing is playing a key role there so one of the things we did very early is we actually started to compare results of things like total revenue growth yield client satisfaction in the accounts that we did have top account marketing coverage against those that we didn't, because then you're saying there shouldn't be any difference now, right, apart from the lack of a, of a marketer on those accounts. And we, we saw very big differential, an extra four points of yield, a three to four points difference in total revenue growth, better client satisfaction, better brand health. And, you know, what did marketing deliver out of those I don't exactly know other than to say these are pretty big statistical differences. And when you see it across, you know, 300 accounts with and 200 accounts without marketing cover, I think that's a pretty good judge. But but it, it takes, you know, those took time convincing sales that, you know, you should be measuring this way and not, you know, very, very short term term measures. And that, by the way, that's still a problem. And if I talk to my colleagues in other companies, we, we see something similar as well. So I think that's one of the challenges. I think the other thing that we've seen is a little bit of churn. People come in, we, we train them, they do really well. But that means they suddenly become, you know, we've had a number of people who've been promoted to being managers in marketing outside, you know, our field marketing organization. And I'd never stand in anybody's way if they're going to get you know, promotion. So we've we've developed some great talent and then we've probably lost them 
to other parts of the marketing organization before they can be truly successful in that role. So, you know, I guess you reap what you sow. If you're going to, if you're going to take on great talent and develop them, <laughs> you're going to help them to move on. Yeah, no, definitely help them to step up. I'm lo- looking forward to talking a little bit more about career pathways in a second. I think the attribution point you raised is a really good one on the way that you've tackled that, you know, broadly comparing the accounts that, that you're working on across the top account program versus those that you're not. And it's a good takeaway for, for lots of the markets. I think often there's a, you know, what, what was ABM or top account source revenue versus the re- other sources. And actually these accounts are really knotty and complex and it, it's uh, definitely a team effort. Um, so just thinking about um, ABM, as you, you talked about your own experience and, and half the team having a, a strong sales background, you know, what, what's your view of key skills and what works when it comes to hiring in talent for, for your top account program versus you know, perhaps more generalized marketing talent? So it's, it's interesting. We did develop um, as part of our governance model for, for the hiring process, a, a sort of an identikit of, you know, these are the 10 things that a really good marketer should have. So I think the first is, and the most critical is, do you have a client-centric mindset or do you, or do you have a product-centric mindset? So, so a number of the people we've, we've taken on have either done top account marketing before at other companies or a lot of them have come from our industry marketing teams. If you don't start with the client, then, then this becomes a pretty tough job. And obviously, IBM is one of the strongest you know, organizations in the world in terms of product marketing. We have a lot of people who are fantastic at understanding you know, the product they're trying to bring to market or the product they're trying to sell and how to think in terms of that product and how to make it successful against competition. But that doesn't necessarily fit you know, within this role. So we're looking for people who would come in and you know, be able to demonstrate a client, a client mindset. We like people who've done maybe a combination of marketing disciplines before. We certainly want them to have done field marketing because that means they'll have had to develop, you know, business strategy. They'll have had to be working closely with, you know, the field, the sales teams. So we want some of that. But it's also good if someone's got some performance marketing background. You know, they understand how the events process works or how campaigns work. Not because we want them to execute campaigns or events. We don't. But we want them to be able to engage the campaigns and the event programs that the rest of the marketing team is putting on. So it'd be great if they understood that. As I said before, if somebody's got some sales or consulting background, that's another tick. I think if we've got some some people who've got a little bit of um, you know global experience or experience working across Europe or across APAC, again, that's beneficial because we run this as a global program and it's good for people to understand how how you know working truly across a global team is different than than working just within a country. We're looking for good communication skills, both written and, you know, verbal, because again, you're having to work with really senior sales leaders, and you're going to have to be able to convince and sell. And I think the last thing, as I said earlier, is do you come across with gravitas? Are you confident in yourself? Because we want you to be a strategic partner for sales. If you're not confident in, in your own abilities, then that's not going to happen. You're going to be found out pretty quickly. So so those are a number of things that we've had on Alicia as sort of our, our identical picture of a, of a good, really good top account marketer. And as I say, we've got a program where, you know, locally they'll do the first filtering and interviews. And then normally one of the global team will then do the sort of second and final, final check in the process. But... Ultimately, we, we trust the, the local teams to, 
you know, to source the best talent. It just struck me, I was having a conversation with one of our clients, uh, marketing leadership team, and, and I asked the question of how many of you have um, spoken to a customer in, in the last you know, three, six months, and uh, very few hands went up. Client centricity feels like quite a hard skill to embed in, in marketing DNA. Is there one that st stands out for you as the, the area that, that you, you see as less developed um, when it comes to, to bringing in talent across that spectrum you discussed just now? I, I think trying to find people with that client centricity is maybe not, not as developed across the company as it could be. As I said, we're a very, very strong product marketing organization. I think we've been very strong at creating really good digital campaigns. Obviously, the last two years hasn't helped um, with people not being able to go out. I, I guess what happens in, in country is, you know, we've tended to participate in a lot of events. And that's a good test. You know, are you able to stand and engage with clients that you see? So, so you know, as I said, I ran the industry strategy team. We've been running IBM's participation at places like Cybos for banking or National Retail Federation, one of the biggest trade shows for retail. And you'll spend three days there on the booth, you know, talking with and engaging clients on what our capabilities are for retail or for banking or for, for government. And that's not easy to find. You've, again, this, 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 this industry mindset, this client-centric mindset, and just that ability to talk and engage to clients is, is a difficult one to find. No, a definite key takeaway. And Phil, just thinking about um, ABM, you know, and high performers, you know, you've built a very talented team and you've talked about, you know, bringing in top talent and, and key people. Um, something that we see a lot through our own research is, you know, the, those high performers also see a lot of pull through benefit in terms of being better at engaging stakeholders, being better at leveraging MarTech, um, being better at developing customer centric content. Um, are you seeing the, the, the same? Are you seeing marketeers are, are better equipped? You've, you've talked about mo sideways moves or up, upwards moves as well because of their ABM experience. Yeah, and I, I and I said I've sort of we've lost some people out of the program to move to other jobs in IBM, and a, and a couple of them have moved to be the CMOs of their countries. You know, one in France, one in Australia, and, and, and yeah, that's the ultimate, isn't it? When somebody's been seen as so well-rounded that we want them to lead IBM's activities across the country, I'm incredibly proud when we saw those appointments. That's amazing. And career pathways and development in marketing in general, you, you, you've had a really rich career, both on the sales and, and marketing side, and just thinking about your leadership roles. Do, are you seeing more formal career pathways? Uh, are you seeing more formal development programs for, for marketing evolve over the, the past few years? Has it got better? Or is it the same? Has it got worse? I think it's got better. Again, we have invested hugely in IBM in terms of um, marketing profession structure, over the you know last three to four years, we've completely re redone the whole um, profession structure for marketing in IBM. You know whether it's you know a digital profession or a events profession or an ecosystem or field marketing, and you know within that you have sub disciplines you can be strong at as well. So clearly in digital, you may become an expert in social, or you may become an expert in you know, website design, whatever. Uh, and it's, it's interesting, we, in the field marketing profession, we've literally just announced this week 
an updating of the field marketing profession to introduce within it a top account field marketer, an ecosystem field marketer, and then a, a technical field marketer and a consulting field marketer. So so we've gone from, if you like, a, a generic profession called field marketing now to four strong subdisciplines, each with their own you know, different skill set, um, but still weaving, weave together as part of a, you know, field marketing profession. So, you know, where does somebody go through from top account field marketing? Maybe they go and become the consulting marketing leader for a, for a country. And again, taking, taking that client centric mindset as to how you then engage, you know, our consultants, our, our consultants are all embedded in top account. So, they completely embrace and believe in account-based marketing as a strategy. So somebody who's been an account, you know, top account marketer to move into the consulting role or to take some of those skills out into the IBM ecosystem, which is, you know, huge and complex, but incredibly important for us. So I, I do think there are some really good, interesting career opportunities to move, you know, now three or four different roles within the field marketing profession, as well as, the opportunity to move outside field marketing into other roles. Or even we've had some people who've moved out of marketing altogether, some field marketers moved into being, you know, IBM consultants. Um, again, that was great to see um, when you've got a field marketer who's now becoming a consultant on one of the accounts they were working with. That's fantastic. Really, really good to hear. I think that deep deepening of specialism, as you described, those four different segments of, of field marketing is hugely valuable. And then, you know, really encouraging to hear upward moves into CMO roles, as well as those um, sideways moves into, into more specialist consulting roles. Um, just given your own focus, Phil, I know you're very passionate about um, developing talent and, and bringing talent through. And um, as part of the Top Account program, you, you've um, focused very heavily on building muscle and capability. Have you seen any other value, you know, be it directly impacting the organization's own performance and KPIs or, or culturally in really doubling down and investing on talent development? I think um, we've we've invested significant numbers of hours in two I'm going to say two or three areas so that initially we basically said let's get everybody up to speed with what account-based marketing is so we we worked heavily with ITSMA um, we put everybody through a formal training program which led to external certification within that not only did you get sort of the classroom or in this case of course over, with COVID you know virtual training but you also got um, really good one-to-one mentoring, coaching with you know some of the um, very senior people at ITSMA. So that sort of brought everybody up to speed with what, um, if you like, the mechanics of account-based marketing are. We've we've then started to extend that now. So we we're putting them through probably an additional thirty hours of sales training, you know, negotiation skills, how to engage clients, um, some very specifics around particular products. So again, that's now that's now building the next level. Um, we're now starting to take that on to the next level as well and looking at sort of the next tier of, of marketing, sorry, of, of non-marketing skills that we want we want people to have. We're expecting them to go through about another 20 hours of slightly deeper technical education. And through the course of the year, so you start to add that up, 
you're now on to sort of 100 hours of education, you know, much of which is, you know, hands-on. And, and, and it's got to be hands-on. You've got to take that education and you've then got to work it into the um, account plans. That's why, you know, we've, we feel very strongly that we, we want everybody to develop, you know, a simple strategic plan for the account, which then gets translated into a, a marketing plan called, called a flight plan. And Phil, with you know having invested that that amount of time, resource, effort, are you seeing any pull? You know, are people happier at work? Are they progressing faster? What what are some of the benefits or, or points of value that you've seen from this level of commitment in um, personal development? We do a survey, regular survey of our own, you know, the field marketers around the world. You know, are you comfortable in the role? Do you feel as though you're being appreciated? And um, we're seeing really high um, engagement. So IBM does does a lot of measures of employee engagement. This team is very high. We we reward them well. We're actually in the process of um, hoping to announce a basically a, an incentive program um, with uh, dollars associated with the success of their accounts. So again, that's a motivation for for marketers who are not on a an incentive plan in IBM. So this would be a team that would be on an incentive plan. We, we absolutely celebrate successes and we promote them as much as we can in front of very senior sales and marketing leaders. So I think this as a community, because we're pretty small within you know the total IBM marketing footprint, we've, we've really shouted about their success and, and I think they feel really good about it. And, and as I say, we see that through the employee engagement surveys, but we just hear from them themselves. You know, we've just done a couple of... Um, trips out to the geographies and just the feedback that we get is is so positive so enthusiastic they almost all say you know this is the best role i've had in marketing um, because i'm I genuinely feel as i'm making a difference every day Phil, I'd love to um, just tangentially get get your thoughts on marketing enablement. It's it's a quite a hot topic that we're seeing across our research right now, and I know you've got a lot of experience in sales enablement. Are there any learnings that you think uh, marketing leaders can adopt when it comes to enabling marketing teams that you you've seen work as part of your sales enablement role? Well, it's it's interesting you talk about sales enablement because for a while the, the you know the industry team, the sales and our sales enablement team were actually part of the same organization and then the decision was taken to sort of move move that sales enablement closer to the technical um, sales leadership team um, because we wanted the uh, our sellers to become you know deeper and deeper in terms of our portfolio so but there's a still an incredibly strong link between the enablement function and the marketing function we worked very closely again to to bring all the different disparate you know sales enablement missions together into one in IBM we then landed on a consistent tool which was seismic you know which enables a you know consistent way of sharing enablement with everybody in in one place it can be you know tracked and measured to see how then clients are using that material so we've taken a lot of those learnings and said how can we now apply that to marketing you know how can we make sure that the enablement program we're developing for marketers is as good and as consistent as we are for the sales organization so again, as I said right at the start, having, you know, in an organization that is as large as ours, standards and tools become really important. So, yeah, so for the marketing team, we're actually encouraging them to do a lot of the sales enablement, a lot of the, you know, the quarterly sales play 
education, which is incredibly well done, you know, a lot of gamification involved. We expect the top account marketers to participate in that. That's part of their sort of 20 hours of education where they're doing the, the sales enablement work as well. So so it's interesting, where, where do you draw the line between marketing and enablement and sales enablement? I'm starting to see those coming together as well because, you, you know, of, of course, a seller needs to be an expert in other areas as well. But you, you want a lot of the core skills to be the same so that you can have a you know, meaning, meaningful conversation together with your sales organization. Yeah, as you've talk, talked about, a lot of marketers can, can draw from knowing more about the customer and knowing more about your your broader go-to-market. And I, I was chatting to somebody at Salesforce recently who was telling me that sales enablement is should no longer sit in a sales enablement. It should be marketing, sales and, and service team enablement because actually everybody is really in one shape or form in, in a selling role. Phil, to bring us full circle, you've led teams through your own fair share of CMO um, and marketing leadership changes. What, what would your advice be to to those CMOs that perhaps have come from a you know a different course and, and aren't as uh, closely aligned to top account or ABM programs? What would your advice be for them um, really doubling down and adopting ABM approaches? I think, as always, it depends on what your organisation is and what your business goals are and how your client set um, you know splits itself if you are a you know consumer company you've still got some really key suppliers um, or some key partners within that so certainly we were talking to a very large consumer company in in Ireland who were considering taking on an ABM program to you know to support maybe their top 10 major distributors where they they needed to be successful with them. But it's it's certainly, it may not be the case for every organization, but frankly, I think most of us have a set of accounts, a small number, which probably cater for 40, 50% of your revenues. And, and I think treating them differently and more with a more personalized approach, if, if you can get 5%, 10% lift out of those accounts, small as they may be, it's going to make a huge difference to your bottom line. So what I would say is don't think you're going to apply it to the whole of your organization, you know, the whole of your, your client set. You don't need to. There are different techniques to apply, you know, for a long tail of accounts. So, so IBM, you know, we have you know, hundreds of thousands of accounts, but we're applying this really to the sort of the top 300. And then you apply different techniques to the rest. So I would say to any organization, if if you're frightened on how you scale this to hundreds and thousands of accounts, you don't need to make it successful in 10 accounts or 20 accounts or 30 accounts or 100 accounts. If you can do that and you get a, together with sales, you get a lift out of those accounts and it's successful. All about focus. Um, Phil, it's been uh, really fascinating hearing your your journey and, and uh, some of the approaches and strategies that you've embedded across IBM. I'd, I'd love to finish on your your proudest moment as you reflect back on um, perhaps the, the last 18 months, even longer. What stands out for you as something you're personally very proud of? A very interesting question because I, you know, as, as you as you and I have spoken, the thing always for me that makes me proud is when I, I maybe I should have said at the start, you know, I think sadly in some ways my my career is coming to a close. I've been working for the best part of forty years, but the thing that makes me the proudest is when people that you've seen grow and develop and mature from you know when they joined the company or pretty junior people when you started to know them 
as I say, to now becoming top talent in the organization, maybe because of something that, you know, I might have done to help them along the way or coach them along the way. When you see that and then you hear the feedback from the teams saying, this program is fantastic. This is, you know, the best program I've seen in IBM, you know, happiest I've been in a job. That makes me incredibly proud because you're you're influencing and helping other people's lives. And we all go to work every day, frankly, to enjoy it, to be successful and to enjoy it. There's no point going to work if you can't enjoy what you're doing. And so if 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 along the way I've been able to help, you know, a number of people to fulfill their skills and their capabilities and to enjoy the work that they're doing, then I feel very proud about that. Fantastic. I, I know you've made a, a really huge material difference to both the people and some of the teams you've worked with, with and, and across across the organisation. Thanks so much for joining us today, Phil. I've, I've really loved talking to you and um, look forward to uh, uh, to- toasting your, your next chapter. It's uh, my pleasure, Alicia. And um, again, thank you for all of the support and help from you and uh, and your company. It's 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 been um, an amazing journey. But thank you, and uh, thanks for the chance to talk about it today. This podcast is brought to you by Momentum, the B two B growth consultancy and pioneers of account based marketing. You can learn more at wearemomentum.com.